home life it's home plus life podcast we're not here to just talk about the latest trends we're gonna break through the myths and put some facts on the table because when it comes to real estate you need to be well informed so now it's time to get serious and talk market trends here we go sure enough we'll go down a rabbit hole and talk about something cool something cool that has caught our attention it's jtm welcome everybody let's dive right in hey there guys and thanks for dropping by and uh spending some time with us here at the home life podcast this week, we're looking at the differences between a home valuation and a house price report. There's some core differences there and, and what you know what the differences are that you use them for. And uh, then we're jumping into the journey to become a strongman and how this all came about and, and uh, how, it all, how it all happened and how it went. So stick around for that. It's, it's an interesting chat. Um, but before we jump into the good stuff, a quick word from our sponsors. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Okay, Mr. Check My House Price, <laughs> founder, right. creator, right. owner, uh-huh. all the other errs that go with it. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, obviously, in the name, it says Check My House Price. Yes. One thing that keeps on coming up, mm-hmm. valuations. Yeah. Check My House Price. I'm guessing there's a house price report. Well, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, it is, yeah. kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, so, what is a valuation? Right, so a valuation is a formal report provided by a qualified valuer, right, that's an estimate of a property's value. Um, it's, it's most commonly used and, and paid for by a bank, Right when you when you get yourself a mortgage uh, and you're purchasing a house or you want to refinance, bank will often do a valuation. They'll sometimes it'll be curbside. Sometimes they'll actually come in to check it out. And the valuer's job is to tell the bank whether or not it's worth the money that you're borrowing. In fact, to be completely brutally honest, based on you know what little I know of the bank's business models, it's if we had if we if the bank had to sell it. If you defaulted on your mortgage and the bank had to sell it, could they get their money back? Right. And do it easily, like within, within 30, 60 days kind of deal. And so that's that's typically a bank valuation, and often they are qualified valuers that do that. Um, you know, there's other uh, valuations that, that happen, you know, for counsel and also for, you know, personal reasons. You may want a private valuation for insurance and things like that as well. Um, but a valuation is a formal report on what the estimated value of your property is provided by a qualified valuer. Okay. So can a real estate agent be a valuer? That's a really good I've, I <laughs> Wow. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I don't see why not. 
I would have to check legislation on that. What I do know, like you have, they, they would have to have a. They'd, they'd have to get the yeah. They'd have to get the value value of qualifications. Yeah. Right. Like so, I don't know if there's any legislation that prevents an agent from being a valuer or a valuer from being an agent. But what I do know is a professional valuer has to have formal qualifications for valuation, and that's that's the core difference. They are a professional valuer. Okay. So the Next question, well, not so much question, question, more of a statement. So a real estate agent, unless they've got the qualifications, Mm -hmm. they cannot call themselves a valuer. No. Okay. They cannot. So when... And agents agents don't issue valuations either. So when a real estate agent comes to your house Mm -hmm. to give you a a price for the listing and all the rest of it, uh, they wouldn't call it a valuation. They no. wouldn't. They wouldn't rock up and go. Oh, I'm here to value your house. No. Okay. Uh, there's there's a number of different terms that commonly get used. They'll give you a CMA, which stands for Comparative Market Analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, they will give you a market opinion. Yep. They will give you an appraisal. Okay. Right. So an appraisal is a a non valuer's opinion of what your property would sell for in the current market. It's so essentially it's understanding the current market with the data that they've got available to them. Yeah, and I mean look, real estate agents and valuers effectively do or, or they don't do the same thing, obviously, because evaluation's a formal report provided by a qualified yeah. valuer. Right. And so there's there's a there's more intricacy that goes into evaluation than a, a market appraisal or a market opinion, a house price report, you know, whatever term we want to give it. Um what a real estate agent does is gives a market opinion based on what they know of the market. However, the tools that they use to get there only differ slightly. In terms of the data that they use, they both rely on similar databases and sources like CoreLogic and things like that the, um, where the sales of property have been logged and so they they're looking to go all right. What has sold in this market that is similar to this property that I'm appraising or that I'm valuing? Or a price report. A price report, right? Or I'm providing a price report for. Um, and so the valuer will check that database. The agent will check that database because they're looking for comparables. Mm-hmm. They're looking for things that are similar that that can help define what this particular property is worth. Yeah. Okay. The valuer will go to greater lengths in a lot of regards. That if there's confusion, if there's there's stuff that you know it it's not clear, they may come out to the property and they may actually go and measure every single room and everything like that. Often the agent won't do the measurements until the listing's signed up and it's time to do photographs and virtual tours, and that's where the measurements come in. Yeah. Right. Um, but they will still both sides will still evaluate what the curb appeal is, the visuals look like what what they believe it could sell for. Okay, so, because another thing that you had said was appraisals. You didn't yep. really say anything about a price report, which is a pretty much <laughs> exactly, it's in our name. <laughs> so It's it's what we are. We, we offer house price reports. Look, it's a house price report, and, and I shouldn't say this, but, you know, in the interest of transparency, and one of the, one of the issues in our industry is a lack of transparency, right? So let's, let's rip the band-aid off. House price report, an appraisal, a CMA, it's all exactly the same thing. It's, it it's just fancy arose words. by any other name. Yeah. Right? It's what we decide to call it in, in marketing. Yeah. In order to uh, communicate what it is to the people who want it. Yeah. 
Okay, so if I was a seller mm-hmm. and I had a valuator come in mm-hmm. and like would that be used in order for me to be able to say borrow more money or would would it necessarily be that if I had a valuation done on my property it's because I want to sell it? Look, I have never come across a seller, both working as a real estate agent, working in the industry, building technology and so forth, uh, and talking with thousands of agents over the last, you know, 13 years, 14 years, I'm getting on. Um, I've never come across a seller who got a valuation for the purpose of putting their house on the market. Right. Okay, because... So it would be more of a refinance, Yeah, if if you're planning on staying... Um, if you're planning on staying and you want to refinance, then it's likely that's where that value, but the bank will often do that. Yeah. Right. The bank will use their valuer for that. Yeah. Um, it's their in, market in my research, experience, anyway. essentially. Well, it's, it's their market research, right? And, and they collect all that data as, as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I think like if, if you are, if, if someone is looking at listing their property for sale, then it's the real estate agent and the market appraisal. It's, it's market opinion yeah um and to be honest it's significantly more fit for purpose and yeah. and this is where what's the difference between these reports because i've said a couple of minutes ago valuation valuers and real estate agents kind of use the same tools yeah right to get to a similar place um it's just one is significantly more official than the other yeah. and often i'll be honest with you too valuers will often call real estate agents when there's not enough data and yeah. go hey you sold this property, what's happening in the market, I need some info. Yep. Valuers and real estate agents work closely together. Yeah. Um, it's just that the real estate agent's offering an opinion. Yeah. The valuer's offering a value. And, and that's a really core fundamental difference. Well, the other thing too is that a real estate agent is using more of what is happening right now and what they have access, like the information well, that have access to right now, whereas yeah. a valuator, they're doing it for a sole purpose of making sure that the money that you're going to get, they'll be able to get back should anything happen in... Uh, among, among other things. Yeah. Like, essentially, a, a valuer is... Their, their report is formal. I, have I just made up a word? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't <laughs> want to call you up. I'm like, I'm just going to let you have that one. I mean, evaluator, it kind of sounds like the Terminator's valuing property. I mean, you know, the advent of AI, maybe we're not that far off that, well, right? <laughs> but actually, that, that's an interesting thing. But look, I think, you know... Not yet. This is, this is not a case of you either get a valuation or you get a, a, an appraisal. Yeah. Right? These things aren't interchangeable. It kind of sounds like they are, but they're not. Because one is a market opinion. If it's wrong, you list the house for the wrong price, okay? And yes, there can be some ramifications for that, but there's not a lot that you can do about it. Yeah. Because it's an opinion, and you decided to agree to that opinion. Yeah. Okay? With evaluation, valuers, they're going to pay some hefty insurance because they can be held accountable for getting that wrong. Yeah. Right? So, And that's why they've got to be, like, to issue evaluation, they've, they've got to have that professional qualification. Yeah. Right. So when we do have people make comments on, you know, on the the Facebook page, there is a definite difference between a price yeah. report, yeah, appraisal. What are the other little acronyms that you had going uh, so, on? So so comparative market analysis, house price report, um, appraisal. Yeah. So all one thing. Yep. Real estate agent. Yep. Valuation. 
yep. from a bank or insurance company, whichever. I mean, you can order it privately, but uh, you know you're spending money to do it. But yeah, yeah. but either that particular one you have to pay for anyway. Yeah. Whereas price reports, appraisals, all yeah. the rest of them yeah. are free. Are they not? Generally, sp- I, look, I've never seen a real estate agent charge someone <laughs> for an appraisal. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's part of the service. It's part of the service, and and not only that, they have to give a market opinion in order to be able to set a price to list the property at or to give to to give you an idea of what they think they can sell it for. Yep. And I think this is this is the biggest definition or, or the biggest shift and difference between them. Yeah. Right? One is what they think they can sell it for. One is what its value is estimated to actually be. Yes. Okay. And so they can often be they can be leagues apart yeah. as well. And and it's an important distinction. There is like sometimes with a house price report, and this is where they there is a slight shift away from a real estate agent appraisal and CMA and all that, is they won't actually show you what your house is worth unless they've actually come and seen it. What they'll show you is what has happened around your property and give you all the data as to what has been sold and, and what it's sold for and so forth. So you can then analyze that and go, this is what's happening in the market. So therefore, I think my property's worth around about. Now, that typically... Because that can be also sort if you're a buyer as well. Hey, you can go into a real estate agency and say, can I... And they can give you a... Like, yeah, I mean, look... figures a, a good A good agent yeah. will provide a suburb report yep. to a buyer yep. as a general rule. There are some out there who are like, I don't want to give them that information. I want them to make whatever offer, right? But And I mean, this comes back to a previous discussion. And I think that is something that we do need to go into as well. Yeah, look, I think I think we've always got to remember the, the relationship between a buyer and a real estate agent is adversarial. The, the real estate agent is paid to act in the best interest of the seller at all times, and that is their legal responsibility. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for GTM. It's G Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pot, work, smoking beer, podcasting, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What really grinds my gears, singing, playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's JTM. G Thought Moment. JTM. What will be his next shiny object? for this week's moment. Right, JH. Yes. You ready for the topic today? I am. This is this has been a long JTM. Yes. And I have heard the story. Going. It's still going. Yes. It's not not as not as fervently as it was. No, not when we first met. No. 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 But that's what happens with life. It does. Yeah. Everything gets in the way. Yes. Especially for kids. Well, that plus the fact that you you and your shiny objects. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're okay. going to be talking about strongman. Yep. And you becoming a strongman. Yep. And how you decided to become a strongman. I think that's probably a good place you know, to start. Yeah, so you know what? I, I didn't actually decide to become an amateur strongman. I didn't decide to compete at all. It. I decided to lose weight and... You know, I'd, I'd sort of gotten unfit. I'd always played a lot of sport, I'd, you know, and odd sports. Like, I'd always sort of had the... I, I enjoyed the niche sports, you know. I played men's netball and social netball. I, I'd played cricket for 30-odd years. I played squash and did all sorts of stuff like that. And I've played most sports known to man that don't involve horses, basically. And 
I'd kind of gone through this period of inactivity. I'd gained a heap of weight. Like I ended up at like 145 kilos where most of it was fat. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation. Um, and I had this wake up moment of trying to jam myself into an Air Asia plane seat on a trip with mates over to, to Thailand. So not Thailand to, um, to Langkawi and Malaysia. And I got back and I went, I need to lose weight. And there was a, a session, like a, a boot camp that was down the park around the road from me. And I rocked up to this boot camp and, and, um, this lovely young young woman by the name of Eve was running it. And I said, hey, what do I have to do to get PT, private training, so that I can I can lose some weight and really put myself through the paces? And she went, you need to talk to my partner, David. Dave's an exercise physiologist, powerlifting competitor, powerlifting coach, holds various Australian records, capo records, the whole works, and we start training, Right. And by myself, like through the boot camps and by myself, I kind of got to a, to a weight of about 137. I really wanted to come down and, and sort of hit that 120 mark. Because I'm at this stage, you know, this is before I started to shrink a bit in terms of height. I feel that there's going to be a lot of strong men out there going, I don't think you chose the right thing to do if you well, went actually, strong men. No. You see, <laughs> if you're is... wanting to lose weight. Because no, no. normally when people talk about losing weight, they're talking about being a smaller number on the scales. Well, this is it, right? But what most people don't understand is lifting heavy doesn't make you gain weight, right? It, if you've got well, fat, Well, it doesn't like make I you had, a smaller person either. Well, it can, but that's not generally the goal. What it does is it burns fat, mm. right? And it burns fat at an incredibly effective rate, and you are going to build muscle. And yes, like in my case, I was going to lose weight because I was already so heavy that any, like any muscle that I built wouldn't be able to keep up with the fat that I'd be burning mm. in terms of on the scale. I wasn't going to lose, you know, I wasn't going to be a, a, a weight watches, you know, TV ad. It's like, I lost 60 kilos. It was never going to be that. Mm. But I was going to hit 120. Like, it worked out. My ideal weight is somewhere between 120 and 130 at, at that stage. Now we, we know it's about between 130 and 135, assuming that I'm at 20% body fat, right? And that's where I feel healthiest. So mm. it's not about hitting a target that the medical textbooks go, that's what you should be. It's about at 20% body fat, I actually feel healthiest. Mm. But at 135, if I hit 135 kilos with 20% body fat, I'm carrying close to about 90 kilos of solid muscle. Yeah. Right? On my frame. Yeah. Like it's it's not a small, there's a whole other person who is just muscle. And this is something that... <laughs> you could end up looking like a staffy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? But this is, this is a misnomer. Now, most people go into it and they go, if I lift heavy, I'm going to get big and I'm going to get fat. No. Because it comes down to what you're putting into your body. And I learned this the hard way. Right. Wait, what? You learning uh, something the hard way. It's kind of... <laughs> I, 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 the, For the those end, that don't know, he tends to take the harder path. I, just so he can learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the smartest cookie. Um, it's not that you're not a, smart. At least you can say that you've learned a lesson. Well, look, for some reason, I don't know what it is in my head. If someone goes, here's the easy path and here's the hard path, I go, I'm going to take the hard path. That's, that's did you cool. Say Let's obstacles? do that. Did you say obstacles? Did you say challenge and, and struggle? Let's do that. I don't know. There's, there's something wrong with me. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But so I took this on, right? And the whole thing was to, to lose weight. And so we're doing weights to lose weight. And when I started, like I couldn't squat 45 kilos. I made Dave take five kilos off the bar to squat 40. Right, I, I was bench pressing sixty. I was um, uh, deadlifting about sixty five when I first started, and this all felt hard. And like when I was twenty one, 
I, I maxed out on one of those stupid home bench kits with the non-Olympic weights and everything like mm. that. And I think I hit like 107 kilos bench press for one rep. Like that was back then. Yeah. And we're two weeks into this. And Dave turns around to me and he goes, you should try strongman. And I laughed at him. Like, I literally laughed at him. I went, oh, yeah, then I'll go to Hollywood. I'll be the next Jason Statham. Wait, no, I'm taller. I'll be the next Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I took the living piss out of my coach, mm. right? And, and he is a really good, humored, really nice human being. And so it took no offense to me taking the piss. And, and to be honest, I think he knew what was about to happen because two weeks later, we went and did 1RM testing, right? Mm. And I got my newbie gains. So newbie gains are this thing that when you first start, you first, like, everything's hard to begin with. You go through a few weeks, you wake up the body and the body's like, oh, let's see what we're capable of. And suddenly you do these massive jumps. And so I jumped from a 60 kilo bench press to 135 kilo bench press in these few weeks. I jumped from not being able to squat 40 kilos to being able to squat 140 kilos. And not being, you know, deadlifting 60, 65 kilos to deadlifting 165 kilos. Like, Mm. and it was just bang. And he's sitting there looking at me with this stupid shit eating wry grin on his face. And I went, so you think I could actually do it and he went yeah I do you should do it and I went oh, all right then and so I got into strongman and started training and and like the endorphin rush that you get when you lift heavy weights when you lift like you hit a pb and things like that that you've really got to struggle for is unlike anything else on this planet the closest you can come to it is illicit drugs like it's, and, and I'm not endorsing illicit drugs in saying that. I'm saying nothing comes close to hitting that personal best heavy lift because the amount of strain and stress you put your body through, the moment that you, you hit that lift and put that weight down, the body unleashes endorphins and it's incredible. Mm. Right? It's, it's just an amazing high. But so from there, we trained for 12 months yeah, nonstop and entered into first novice comp in, in 2018. And I didn't win a single event in that novice comp, I came second in every single event, but the consistency meant that I won the event overall. Like I won the competition yeah. uh, as a novice thing and, and walked away with that. And, you know, it, from then I was, I was kind of hooked. And, and now we're what, six, six and a bit years in. Yeah. Cause I think it was, you'd only been training for, I think six or eight months by the time that I had maybe not even that when we first started seeing each other. When we, I thought we were 2017. Because I'd been training with Dave. Yeah, so I, I hadn't competed yet. I'd started training. No, yeah. Uh, and I was training Strongman. So, um, and yeah, so so we did that. But where, where I messed up and where a lot of people mess up with when they go, oh, I'm going to go and get into Strongman or I'm going to get into powerlifting or whatever, is there's this thing called dirty bulking. Right, And it's the fastest way to put on muscle, but the flip side of it is it's also the fastest way to put on fat. Mm. And you basically just eat whatever the hell you want. Mm. Now, for someone like me who, you know, we've mentioned in, in passing, I'm high-functioning Asperger's, I may or may not have impulse control issues when it comes to sugar and fatty foods and all that. May not? Do you no, really do want to go down that path? I, I didn't say may not. I thought I said I may or may not. There I is mean, no may not. There's, there's, you there's, do. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, you know, that was that was permission for me to eat whatever the hell I wanted because weight moves weight. Like there's this this mantra that, that is in the community and this is this is where like and, and Dave will cringe for me saying this and acknowledging this because 
you know, one of the things that Dave's constantly fighting against in his business, Stronghold Gym, shout out Stronghold, go Dave, um, is that lifting heavy weights does not make you heavy, does not make you fat. No. Right? If you do it right and you use, like you you attach the right diet to it, mm. then you are going to build lean muscle and you are going to trim down and you are going to build functional strength. The weight on the scale may not move, but your body composition mm. is going to be significantly healthier and significantly better. Even now, I'm tipping the scales that I think I'm about 148, so I'm down. Like my, my heaviest competing weight was 164 kilos. I've come down from that because I'm not competing at the moment with work and kids and all the craziness. And there is still nearly 90 kilos of fat-free muscle on my frame. Mm. Right? I definitely can lose another 15 kilos of fat, and I think then I'll be, I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, but that's that's lean muscle. Ninety kilos of lean muscle on my frame, right? That's huge, and the functional strength and the health benefits that come with that are there. And there's no greater feeling than pulling a PB. Like there's no greater feeling than bench pressing a, a, a you know, and and te- being technically correct with it too. I might add, yeah. it's all well and good to just haul a weight up and go, yeah, I got it. If you're not technically correct, you're gonna wreck. You're gonna wreck yourself. And I've wrecked myself numerous times with ego. You've lifts wrecked and stuff. yourself even when you have been using the right technique. No, no. Every every injury that I've ever had is because I I lost my technique somewhere through the lift. Every injury. Anytime I've lifted technically correct, I I've been fine. I know you I've, think you're trying to come up with a no, time. No, I'm just thinking about when you had hyperextended that it was. It wasn't that you... You're talking the log press where I fractured my vertebrae? Yeah. Yeah. So that was not technically correct. So as... It was until you got to the point where you over... No, no, it wasn't. So the reason I ended up in that that position of hyperextension was because the press off my chest, instead of pressing straight up, so instead of being under it and pushing up, right, I've pushed out. And pushing out has pushed my back and my shoulders Uh. back. Yeah. Right. And so now I'm trying to push a PB weight on an angle and I've I've lost my core at the same time, which has twisted me. And then that's hyperextended me in a twisted position. All I know is that it looked really, really. Ugh. Oh, it was painful. It was not pleasant at all. And I even went and asked you if you're okay and you're like, yeah, it'll be fine. And then go and do the stones straight after. No, it, it wasn't stones. It was it was uh, the actual deadlift because that was Static oh, Monsters yeah, yeah, yeah. 2018. All I know is that as soon as you did it, because I know what it's like to have that type of thing happen with your back. And I knew as soon as you did it, I was like, oh, that's bad. And even people that were standing near you, they were like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I mean, in, in all fairness, yep, it, I, I got in a bad position and I didn't know enough to bail out at that point at that weight. Mm. Um, and, and so I kept pushing when I should have bailed. I should yep. have bailed, reset, reset the lift. And, and that's, you know, that's a lesson that they, they talk about old man strength and stuff. And particularly in, in the sport of strongman, you've also got an old man head. Right, like you develop that experience and, and you do that by doing dumb stuff and, and hurting yourself. And, and I got in a bad position there and, and that's on me and, and I kept pushing when I shouldn't have. I, I do have to say that because of the competitions that I have witnessed, you know, that I've gone to, like the the one thing that I do really enjoy about the strongman itself is the fact that you literally have all body shapes. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not just like when you go and have a look at – and this is no dig at uh, different types of, um, you know, strength building. 
um, but like your your bodybuilding, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're all lean. Yeah, they you know they go without food. They go without hydration. Oh, they, they show themselves out and they, like, they do crazy it, stuff. Yeah, it, they it do really crazy. Takes, it I mean, does. Any of these do take dedication. Been, yeah, but there has been people that have died of heart failure because oh, yeah. of, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. N- it's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you push your body to different limits, like that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're pushing yourself yeah. to the limits. Um, but, you know, wh- what I mean is that, you, and I've seen it where, you know, you have some physiques there of even women. And you would look at them and you're like, she can't be healthy. Oh. But then the weights that they go and lift, you're like, yeah. okay, well, I need to. You're talking in strongman comps now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I need to well, go and look... swallow my words because holy yeah, Jesus. Yeah. The, size, the size of a human, particularly in strongman, the size of a human doesn't determine how fit they are. Yeah, and like, then you have the yes, other end of the scale. There's, there's the, the, the risk factors for heart disease because you're carrying extra weight and fat and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of fitness and how fast or how, like their levels of endurance mm. or how strong they are, like I've watched, I've watched and, and you know, like Ariel Chard, mm. who, you know, shout out to, to Coco's gym and Ariel and Coco. Coco, Gene uh, Stefan, uh, Cora Booth, he is currently, as we're recording this, competing over at World's Strongest Man. Oh, well, um, good luck. Yeah, so, so you know, I think that'll be aired sort of Christmas 2023 by the time that, that um, it's it actually goes to air. But yeah. he's over there competing. He's just competed at, at Europe's Strongest because he's a dual national, so he competes over the fr- under the French flag. Yeah. We claim as, as, as an Aussie as well because, you know, he's he's on the Gold Coast. He runs his gym, and we, we love to claim everyone. Yeah, we um, do. Really, really lovely guy who I've had coaching from as well, like in certain events and things like he's helped me with my log press at times and stuff. Um, you know, but you look at Ariel, his partner. Mm. Ariel, I remember watching her. She's a pocket rocket. She's a pocket <laughs> rocket. And, and I remember watching her breaking an Australian record for I think it was the under 62 kilogram category, right? And she has deadlifted four times her body weight. Like Axel deadlifted four times mm. her body weight weighing 58 kilos or something, something ridiculous like that. It yeah. may, no, it might not have been four times. It might have been three and a half or something. It was a stupid amount, mm. right? It was a stupid amount. I can deadlift 275 kilos, yeah. but I weighed 150 something at the time that I pulled that. Mm. She's deadlifting like 210 weighing in at 58 kilos. Mm. Right, or 220, I, I can't, sorry, I, I can't remember what your record was in terms of the number. I remember being there and watching and just watching you nail it. And it was it was incredible, right? And you watch guys just lift superhuman weights. Mm. And the thing that I've loved about being part of the strongman community, and I'm, and I'm not as part of it anymore because, as I said, you know, I'm not competing anywhere near as much. I'm, I'm still training, but it's it's kind of maintenance training at the moment. Um, but you you are competing right, and you're technically competing against everyone in your weight class, mm. and you will hit a PB lift. So the you're, let's say, for example, you're sitting one and two, or you're sitting three and four, right, and you're, you're neck and neck in the points, and this next lift determines whether you or the guy that you're competing against get the placing, whether it's first, second, that doesn't matter, right? And you've got to hit a PB lift to hit that. Mm. And you pull that PB lift, in 99% of cases, the first person to congratulate you and the loudest voice cheering you on as you're trying to pull that lift is the guy you have to beat 
or the girl you've got to beat to get that placing. Yeah. There is a huge amount of respect between competitors in this sport and support from those competitors more than any other sport. And like I've played men's state league netball. I've been a a state ranked squash player as a junior. I've played rep cricket at times. You know, I have never experienced support from my fellow competitors like I do in the strongman community. Yeah. Because, and it's the medals, the trophies, all that, as much as we all love them and, and look, I've got mine and no one can ever take my, my trophies or my medals off me. Like that's, that's going to be up on the wall in the, in the pool room one day and things like that. And I'll always remember that fondly, but the medals are for that version of you 20, 30 years down the line when you're telling the stories in the moment, in order for you to hit that lift, every single person who has ever hit that lift before, or every single person who is on their way to hitting that lift knows exactly the challenge and the pain and the struggle and the sacrifice you've gone through to just get up to the plate, Mm. to stand up on the mat and and even attempt that lift. And there is an inherent respect and camaraderie because it can absolutely be a very individual sport and a very lonely sport. But when you are competing in order for you to step up to that bar, you've had to go through the same things that they've had to go through. And they've got to go through the same things that you've gone through. And there is a camaraderie and an absolute underlying respect in that. And it comes through. And you see it in the majority of competitions between the majority of competitors. The people that are cheering for you to succeed the loudest and are celebrating your lift the loudest and the hardest are the ones you probably just beat. Yeah. It's just that respect. And, and I yep. love that about the strongman community. I think, I think it's something that is awesome. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, look, let's finish because I know we're, we're over time and it's something I can talk on because I, I love this sport. But no, one I'm... thing I'll say, don't <laughs> avoid lifting heavy or getting into something like strongman because you're worried you're going to get big. Get it with the right diet and, and that's not the case. Get a coach so you're lifting right and your technique's good and try it out, like, you know, Stronghold Gym with Dave and Eve Stanton. They've got... Um, in Queensland. In Queensland. Is. So it's in, in Underwood, Queensland. Uh, they've they've got come and try days on and they've got, you know, women's strongman classes, men's strongman classes and stuff. Coco's Gym down the Gold Coast in Queensland. These are the ones that I've been to myself. No, they've got women's strongman um, class or strong woman class and they've got men's strong strongman classes and things like that. Just about every strength or strongman gym around the country will have these things. Go and look for the one near you and check it out. If you're not sure how to find them or you're not having luck searching them up in Google, go to staticmonsters.com or .com.au, I can't remember, but look up Static Monsters and look at the gyms in Australia that compete in Static Monsters and find one near you because chances are they're a strongman gym and they'll, they'll have something on. Yeah. Cool. Look forward to it. Sounds good.